It's an eight-part documentary series about the toys that we all know. Plastic creations that last for generations and we still cannot let go. Little molded figures that gave us big dreams will go back in time and behind the scenes. It's the toys that made us. Toys that made us. Toys that made us Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Ford. I'm Mark Marble. And this is LanternCast Presents... The Greatest Toy Podcast! <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remembered the Greatest the LanternCast Presents. I didn't remember what the podcast was actually called. Probably because that was the last thing we talked about before. <laughs> before. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, yeah, what is it, Greatest Toy Podcast? Yes. La- presented by the LanternCast. No, LanternCast Presents Greatest Toy Podcast. <laughs> So does that mean we're doing we're doing this over again, right? Is that what this means? <laughs> I no, I think we should just keep going. This okay. Is, this is how all good first episodes go. Speaking of which, episode one, <laughs> <laughs> the Phantom Podcast. Uh, okay. So uh, here we go, folks. If you've never listened to a Greatest Toy Podcast episode before, um, Mark's gonna break this down for you. <laughs> It's all new. It's all different. Okay, maybe it's not so new. <laughs> but it might be – it's going to be a little different. Uh, yes. For, for those who didn't listen to the previous incarnation of this show, that incarnation – we t- basically that incarnation we talked a, on a lot about upcoming toy releases and a lot of, a lot of Funko stuff. I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of sideshow toys, a lot of Funko stuff, uh, a lot of other little collectibles. We did product reviews too, which I'm sure at some point, depending how often we do this, there might be a t- an item that we get that we w- we'll want to talk about. But we're going to be a little more, I think, uh, free-ranging, like those, like chickens. And <laughs> this incarnation of this show, the show, the word for the day is incarnation. Uh, so we're going to... So tonight, tonight we're going to talk about a few things because this we've been planning on getting this show restarted for a while, and so we're going to be talking about the great, the uh, toys that made us, which we did talk about the last time we actually talked toys, which was on a pre-birth episode. So we're going to briefly, well, not give a brief overview over the, the new four episodes of the toys that made us that just came out in May on the Netflix documentary series. And we're also going to talk about which, depending, I don't know if we should start here or do the to, the other do the toys that made us first. But we're going to either way, we're going to be talking about the demise of Toys R Us and what the, and what that means to us. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should start with the toys that made us, and just I, because I, you. You, you, you never know where the, where the Toys R Us discussion is going to go. <laughs> You're right, and we could depress people real quick, but I actually agree. I, I was, I kind of, in my mind's eye, I kind of thought the same thing. We should, we should talk about the, to- the toys that made us. Okay, so did you watch all four of them? Yes, I've watched all four of the new episodes. Okay, so I've seen the first three. I have not seen the Hello Kitty episode yet. It's it's one of those that I'll I'll watch it eventually, but it wasn't a huge priority for me. Um, but uh, yeah, so this this season we got Star Trek, we got uh, Transformers, and Lego and Hello Kitty. So uh, I guess we'll you know start off at the beginning with Transformers. What did you think of that one? Transformer, I see Transformers going in. 
if you looked at these four episodes as a whole, the ones that going in, and we kind of we knew what the oh wait a second, it's it was Star Trek first. Ah, we'll we'll, we'll go out. Yeah, it was Star Trek first, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Uh, But when I saw when we first found out what the next four episodes were, the two that intrigued me about these four were Star Trek and actually Lego more, because again, as as I mentioned. I may have made, I did mention before I think on our, when we did this before, at some point that Transformers was right out of not in my wheelhouse from an age perspective. It was right out of it. It was kind of like right when I really stopped collecting toys, and so and actually it was right around the time I stopped collecting comic books and everything too. So that whole and so the animated show, the cart, you know the the uh, the sh- all that stuff and, and the toys they that just kind of like missed for me. So I had no attachment to that franchise at all so when people were getting giddy when before before people knew what michael bay was going to actually do to it but when people were giddy that michael bay was involved and it was going to be a live action transformer series yeah that that never did anything for me uh based on my background that being said it was it was interesting to see how how everything came to be the you know the 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 race to a market versus GoBots, which actually they <laughs> lost. Uh, but I, I found it more interesting that much like the much like the GI Joe stuff that we know and the way we think of the GI Joe toys and their background and this and that that a lot of these stuff related to Transformers and how we associate you know the different robots uh, and and their personalities and what and everything about that that once again a lot of that came from. Marvel Comics in doing the comic book. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and when they were going through that, as far as the the dude that named almost all of them, and then, you know, it's like, you know, but not Optimus Prime, that was Denny O'Neill. And I'm like, wait a second. Oh, that's right. I remember him telling me that. (laughs) That's one of the few... One of the few most awesome interviews from the Lantern cast that I was a part of with uh, Danny O'Neill and also Chad. But, uh, <laughs> that Chad, is Chad, Chad Bokeman. But, yeah, no, and I had completely forgotten that aspect of it. But, yeah, no, that that was really cool. My favorite part about the whole thing was, like, just kind of seeing how Japan, like, their bounce back from World War II was making toys using the tin cans from... <laughs> the uh, the American soldiers, like, you know, leftover, you know, cans and whatnot. Um, I, I mean, like, that's that's huge. And also, it kind of explains a whole lot about Japan when you consider that the thing that brought them back after the war was toy making for the rest of the world. You know, like, when you're, you know, like, when such a large part of your economy is ha- you know everybody making toys? Then yeah, of course you're going to develop anime and comic books are going to be commonplace and vending machines and you know manga is going to outsell any comic book you know in America. It's just it it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Oh, I agree. I thought that part that part was definitely interest interesting. Obviously the whole. I'm obsession may be the wrong word, but the whole you know the giant robot thing. That kind of oh, has always been big with Japan, which kind of you know obviously also gave birth to the Shogun Warriors and all other things. One of the one of the less successful Marvel comic book tie-ins. <laughs> See, 
you, you can't you can't hit like box office gold with everything. So it, I remember I vividly remember the toys were awesome, and and the you know the Shogun Warriors were really cool by themselves. So I do re, but you know that series was not. That was not one of their hits, like with them, you know, with GI Joe and Transformers and the Micronauts and things like that. That ROM even, that but, but just the idea, the, the whole birth of that, you know, the the, the robot, you know, the, the robot craze essentially. So trans, I, and the, I like the you know the. I just, I mean, I, again, for me, a lot of that, I just like the background of the characters. How how it's, it's interesting how like Optimus Prime was always supposed to be the, supposed to be a good guy. He was always supposed to be a good guy, but yeah. but but uh, Megatron really wasn't supposed to be a bad guy. <laughs> so then, yeah. But the but the fact that the fact that uh, opti- that the one like the one commonality was even from the from the design perspective that uh every that even in Japan that Optimus Prime was designed to like be the good guy, <laughs> the good guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I liked the fact that um. They basically explain why some of them are vehicles, you know, cars and planes and trucks and whatnot, and then you have other just, like, random stuff that's completely out of scale. And, you know, like, I remember being a kid and having Transformers, and I I never gave that a second thought. You know, like, I I had my, um, was it Soundwave? Yeah. Uh, The blue one that, you know, turns into a tape recorder. Like... To me, that was the coolest thing. And, like, you know, then you have Optimus Prime, who's a truck, who's probably a little bit smaller than the tape recorder. <laughs> you know, it's just like, okay, well, when they transform, they're all robots. You know, makes sense. But, uh, yeah, so, no, they just licensed multiple lines and filtered them all into one American toy line. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. But that's awesome. It, overall, it was a really strong episode. I, I had a feeling that it was going to be a good one, but I, I was impressed with how good it was. And I like the fact that they also like delved, like delved, they delved into the movie, the animated movie, uh, the yeah. the legendary anim, animated movie where what they killed Optimus Prime, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. early, didn't they? Didn't they kill him like early? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know. My well, my exposure to Transformers was fairly limited because I don't think that I really watched the cartoon like early on. I think I was watching it probably like near the end of when it was on TV, and I never saw the uh, the movie as a kid. I had a couple of Transformers, and like when they were like rolling out, like you know, okay, and then this is when Transformers just about nearly died. And I'm like, oh yeah, I had a bunch of those. <laughs> it's like, I was getting into it like when it was dying out. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's fitting. But uh, you know, and then Beast Wars revived it and all right, that. Yes, stuff. yes. But yeah, like all, the whole thing where you know where Japan kind of like had no involvement. You know, that's when I got into it, and I mean. You know, I like the toys conceptually because they're just fun to play with. But, um, but yeah, I I think I probably I might have like a little bit more of a tie to it than you, but still not a lot. But uh, yeah, no, I thought the you know I thought it was cool getting to see them on the big screen, you know, with the Michael Bay. 
um, the first time. Because you know, <laughs> it doesn't really matter what they put out as long as you have robots that transform into vehicles and it's, you know, they're big. That's that's basically all you need. I actually saw the, the first movie on, like, an IMAX dome screen. And it was, like, it was so big, like, you'd have to, like, literally turn your head from side to side just to see, you know, the different bits of action going on on one side or the other. Uh, the f- anyway, the, the first one was the first movie of of all. Let's see, I th- I thought the first one wasn't bad. Um, I'm trying to think the, the one the which one the the one with Leonard Nimoy was what the the was that the dark side of the moon one or was that the fallen <laughs> one? I don't. Dark I'm not moon. sure. I don't know if I saw the third one or not. I don't even I don't I can't even remember if I saw it. I remember one with Shia LaBeouf and like some girl that had she was actually a transformer with like tentacles or whatever. Yes. I think I tapped out around then. I think that was two. Yes, I was gonna say I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that was two because he was going off he was going off to college. Uh, yeah, I uh, I'm trying to remember which one had the. Had the Dinobots. I think that was that was that was. I think that was the that was the Fallen. I think that was the I think that was the Fallen, because I, and I think that I think that I thought the Dark of the Moon was the one. Before. Either way, they after a while they all blended into into each other, and I can and I can honestly say the only one I haven't I've barely watched was at all was the last one was the last night or whatever because. It had no. I was kind of transformed out at that point to begin with, and plus, yeah. you know, the the movie kind of looks stupid. I didn't like them making Optimus a bad guy, and the only bit the only bit of the movie I watched, I remember, I watched without sound, like on one of my flights back, I think my flight down or flight back from from Disney. They had it on the plane, and it was free, so I so I at least watched some of it, and I was like, oh yeah. I mean, if it's on HBO or Netflix or something, I'll, or or Amazon Prime free, I'll watch it. I'll watch it from the beginning or something if I catch it. You know, if I'm in the mood and, I, and it's available, but <laughs> and there's nothing, literally nothing else on television. Yeah, I mean that that <laughs> franchise that that franchise certainly domestically has gone kind of like gone like pirates. It's kind of like gone where the only thing keep, <laughs> the only thing keeping it afloat is the overseas box office, and even that took a big big step downward in the last movie. So I think that's why that franchise is teetering on the brink. So if if, if Bumblebee is a complete bust. Then I I would be surprised if you know if they're they're gonna they're already talking about like rebooting the whole thing I think to begin with so they're gonna have to do something different but the uh, the Bumblebee trailer looks really good I mean you know like you've got classic Bumblebee as a Volkswagen Beetle so I mean like that's making a lot of people happy um, I, I I still don't know if I'm gonna see it in the theaters but I think it's definitely a it's a good step. In a you know in a new direction. Um, I wish you would and, speak though. Well, yeah, no that that would have been nice, like actually have him be able to talk back then. But um, what do you call it? Uh, the oh yeah, no the one last thing that I wanted to mention because you you touched on it briefly. The last pirates movie was awesome. <laughs> yeah, we just we do tend to disagree on that one. There was there's something off in that movie to me. The way it looks, the way there were some parts of it I really liked. 
And I know, and obviously it's set up for we should we should get at least one more, assuming Johnny Depp gets looks better than he does in those like those last few pictures we've seen of <laughs> him. Uh, but yeah, assuming yeah. Johnny Depp's healthy, you know, you know, there's going to be at least one more movie because at least that movie still made tons of money overseas. So Disney was certainly if they're willing to promote it as you know the last one, or even if they wanted to do two more and like basically mean make uh, Dead Man Tell No Tales be the first of like a final trilogy, if they they they, they that's certainly going to be profitable enough. So, <laughs> but they yeah. are, but yeah, the, but it's true. They both are franchises that, no matter what, from an overall perspective, have seen there's there was greater interest not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. In the mid 2000s, there was greater interest in both franchises, and now it's like uh, the good old days. <laughs> yes, the, the, the good old days. But I agree. I think Bumblebee looks all right. I like Haley Steinfeld anyway, so I think that's a plus. I almost I forgot until I saw that trailer that she was going to be the lead in in that movie. So I think I think that's a plus. Uh, but well, it, it is really disappointing if, if that first trailer is any, any indication that they're going to have him not speak again. I think that's friggin' stupid, especially since he's the title character in the movie. <laughs> but they figured, hey, we got away with him for the other like fifty, the other five movies. Let's just keep it growing. Well, you know that John Krasinski movie that doesn't have very many people talking in it either. Yeah, but that but that was the selling one of the selling points for the movie, <laughs> and, and, and he and he wasn't a transforming robot. Exactly, <laughs> my point made. Maybe they'll cross over in the sequel. Maybe they'll they'll write a part for Bumblebee. <laughs> Transform quietly. <laughs> Wrap them in blankets. Okay, so... Star Trek? Star Trek. This was the one that I was probably the most looking forward to. I agree. Of all of these, I think I think Lego conceptually might have... I may have thought Lego was going to have more to tell. There was <laughs> going to be more to see in Lego because of the... Uh, of all the tran- no pun intended, all the transforming that Lego has done from the yeah. from the time of, of of creation, even before I like I even before I as much as I knew of Lego's history just from being a kid, you know, in the 70s, going to where where they are now with the toys and the sets and the licensing. So I thought I did probably I probably would have bet that would have been a little more intriguing to me than it was compared to Star Trek, where you kind of you kind of knew in a way where Star Trek was going to go because. It's, Star Trek, as they as they so nicely pointed out all throughout the episode, that Star Trek was not Star Wars when it came to merchandising. <laughs> no, but by the same token, like by the time I was actually, like, I guess kind of looking for Star Trek toys, like that's when the Playmates line was out. Yes. So I mean, you know, like, not not that I even had very many. I had. Probably very, very few. There's only like a like a couple of figures that I actually had from that line. But um, I, I mean, like the ones that I had, I loved. I mean, that that line was so good. It was such a great toy line. You know, like I, that's to me, like that is definitely like one of the most epic toy lines ever. Just because they put out like everybody and. And it was like, and it was so fascinating because, like, like they they go right into why that line died, and I was right there when it did. 
Like, I remember that so vividly that the 1701 figures and how, like, there was such a backlash. Like, I remember reading Toy Fair, like, you know, month after month, and those figures were always on the top ten list because they were impossible to find. And it was just like, and then eventually, like, they reissued them, and at that point, it was just like, too late, you know. (sighs) For me, my my main Star Trek toys that I go, um, and which which gave me a lot of pleasure that they kind of that they kind of mentioned these on this. Mm -hmm. Well, of course they were going to mention it, but they but they spent a decent amount of time on it. That obviously the uh, the legendary Mego. Enterprise bridge playset thing. Oh yeah, and that was you know that, but but that cool spinning tra- uh, <laughs> yeah transporter. That was that was fr- that was awesome with the with the little spots for the for the you know for the com screens where you could uh you could just flip them around depending on like what story you wanted to pretend you were doing. They had like, like <laughs> they had like uh four, like they had two or two or two or three different you know long almost like widescreen kind of like pieces of cardboard and they all d- depicted different scenes and you could like and they were double sided so you could just flip them so I know they had so I, I remember that I remember the uh, I do remember the playset. I think I'm trying to remember the the the, the actual Migos that I had for, I had I think I had all the major ones from Star Trek I know I had obviously Kirk and Spock McCoy uh, Scotty Yohara, I think I had, I think I had the Klingon. I I didn't ha- I didn't have the knockoff Gorn. I don't believe I don't believe <laughs> I did. I I I could be forgetting I'm I could be forgetting that because I did have the lizard. <laughs> Whose head they used? Whose head they ripped off? Almost literally, as they. But I I don't yeah I don't think I I don't think I had I had the Gorn. But but the but the Mego figures were great and there was there was one toy I don't think they really. There was some little electronic. Uh, I don't know if I had to do with the shuttlecraft or it was just. Uh, I forget. I forget which toy it. Because they didn't even talk about it on, on the show, so it didn't really. Re- I didn't place the name with it, but it was a little electronic thing that came out in the late '70s, and I think it it might have been a. You were you were either exploring and or had to deal with you know fighting like birds of prey or something like that, the Klingons, but I I don't. I don't quite remember that. Other than that, um, those 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 were the those were the major. I think those were the major toys for Star Trek that I had. There was something else that just slipped my mind that'll pop back in when you start talking about something. I'm sure. But oh, I, I also I I also did have that other playset, the one they talked about. Was it the Cronus Four or whatever it was? The one with the glove. That was out of scale. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost for, I almost completely forgot I had that playset until they mentioned until they showed the glove, and that's what made me remember that I oh I remember that I remember be, you being able to be in, like being inside you know be inside like the mountain or the where the jaw you know those giant jaws were and put your hand through and pretend you know like this hand was coming out to grab onto <laughs> a I I did I did remember that. So. Yeah, that 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 playset was ridiculous. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know what it kind of reminded me of, though, and I don't know if this is something that you would remember, but the the slime pit from the Masters of the Universe. I remember I'm hearing of it, but no, I never. But I, but I don't remember like ever seeing it when it was coming out or anything like that. Yeah, I just I, from the the basic, you know, design wise, 
how it's kind of like that vertical type playset that's not much wider than you know a figure or so, and then you know like a skull kind of thing up top. But yeah, like with this one, it was like you know you put the slime in like the back or the top or whatever, and it like you know oozed down over the the He-Man figure. It's just like as soon as I saw that, I'm like, it's like wow, I'm like that's probably where they, you know, like that's where they started it off and eventually worked their way to the slime pit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that that's that's probably uh. That's probably a very nice way of putting it. You know, just like an, an evolution of, you know, of designs. You know, like, oh, well, you know, I, I saw this as, you know, uh, my, my, you know, my son had this toy or whatever like that. So how can we translate that into something like, because, I mean, the, the, the slime pit, like, as cool as it is, it's just kind of like this weird design that doesn't really lend itself to anything else. You know, it's like it's not like in He-Man, like there was an, a slime pit that looked really like that. So let's see if I can find a picture. I did, re- and while you're doing that, I did remember the other. I di- I'm pretty sure I did have the full the full scale size set with the tr- with the uh, communicator and the tricorder and the phaser. That remember how that oh. early in the episode they talk about the. Uh, you know the out of scale size ones. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I had the actual full. Oh, gamma. That's it. Gamma six. That's it. Mission to gamma six was that playset. I just, I, I just finally saw a picture of it. I was, I was looking for it. That uh, that's the one with the glove, with the glove coming out. The mission to gamma, <laughs> oh, to, to gamma six. Oh man. Okay. So yeah. So I'm gonna send you pictures of uh, of the the slime pit now. And you can you can see what I'm talking about. <laughs> hey, I just, I just saw that Star that Star Trek bridge playset only going for forty three hundred on eBay. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> oh, man, man, just makes you really wish you held on to your toys, man. <laughs> Let's take a look. Oh, actually, you know what? I I may have remembered seeing them push that when it first came out. Yeah. It does look, it does look a, a little familiar, unless. Unless they really spent any kind of time fo- talking about it during the He-Man episode of the toys that made us. Other than that, that that's the only thing I could think of that maybe uh, that maybe I could uh, I remembered it from that. But that that is that is pretty cool. Yeah, but I mean, like you see how like they both have like that, you know, they both have like a lizard, whatever up top. Yeah, obviously, yeah. The in, the influence is certainly clear. That can, from a from a structural perspective, conceptually, yes, it obvi- they must have obviously taken some. Uh, somebody must have had fond memories of that Gamma Six playset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mission to Gamma Six, uh, but that that br- that Enterprise Bridge thing was that was a pr- that was a cool playset for the Migos. That was the. To me, I'll always think of that. But it also, but that's also because I was so big into Migo at the time too, because I had. Uh, I had the Planet of the Apes playset. I th- I might have had the Bat Cave thing. I might have had that because I'm pretty sure they had one. But I definitely remember the I st- definitely remember the, the Enterprise just because the way it folded up and having the like literally showing the Enterprise on the outside of the of the, the container when it's folded together. And I do and the Planet of the Apes one, which uh, was pretty the fortress, which was pretty memorable. 
Yeah, no, I, I never had I never had any of the Mego playsets. I think the only Mego that I ever actually had was Superman. Because so that was all, like, just a little bit before when I was, you know, really getting into toys. Yeah, I had, I had, I had, yeah, I, I had the whole, pretty much the whole gamut of whatever they were putting out at the time. Like, I had Tar, I had Tarzan, I had the Tar, you know, I had the Tarzan Mego, I had all them, I had the Marvel Migos. I had not, I didn't have as many of the DC ones because, again, I wasn't, shockingly, I wasn't big into DC back then, but I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did have Superman at one point. I know, I, I think I had, ended up having, like, multiple Batman and Robins because I, because I, I certainly remember losing the gloves on like the first set. I do remember that vividly. Uh, but I had the I had the penguin. I know I had the penguin. I think I, I had the Joker. I know, I, and I think I had the Riddler. But I don't think so. I had a lot of the Batman guys. I don't think I had much. I don't think I had many other of the of the DC characters that they were that they were doing at the time. But I had all. But I had almost all the Planet of the Apes figures. Maybe I had them all, and I did have the, the, the Star Trek figures. So that was. That was pretty cool, but yeah, that playset is uh, when you when you when you think Amigo, that pretty much is that, that's hard not to think of that one. Mm-hmm. The uh, there were a lot of other like little uh, toy lines between Amigo and you know and and some of the other things, just by random companies. Was it like was it uh was it Ertl that made some toys I th- or Ta- Tonka? Yeah, it was one of those because I do remember that. Yeah, that, that was probably one of the more interesting parts of the show when they're talking about all, all, all this like all these like ridiculous toys that they, <laughs> just because it was more like label slapping the stuff that had nothing you know had stuff had that either had almost nothing to do with Star Trek or had very little to do like 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 the parachuting Kirk and Spock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, um. Let's see. So, and then uh, that you know brought us basically up to now with the the Diamond Select toys. Yes. Which are they making toys for the the new show? <clears throat> I don't know if they are. I, I haven't heard anything. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, be, I think I th- want to say I think they are, but again, I I couldn't. That's just based on I thought that I remembered reading something or seeing like. Seeing like a solicit for mm. that, but but I I could be wrong on that one. Yeah, you know I I think I, I used to follow like the diamond releases a lot more closely, and I mean like the diamond releases of of Star Trek that they have done are like amazing, like, like they've done a really good job. Like I have I have a couple of those figures here and there, but like my favorite. Like one of my favorite episodes was Tapestry, with uh, the the Next Generation, and there's you know the a part where Picard kind of like sees his life if he hadn't made a decision, and like he's a lieutenant junior grade like science officer or something like that, and he's got like this teal uh, suit on, and like and the Playmates uh, line made him as like a Toy Fair exclusive, and then I think. It was like uh, a mail away exclusive or something like that for Diamond or something to that effect, but um, yeah, no, like those those figures are awesome. But yeah, like like Diamond Select, like they were also the ones that made the Stargate figures, and the Stargate figures are like 
perfect, like, they're the only figures that you'll ever see from Stargate, <laughs> and they're the most perfect versions. I think they go for some good money now, just because, you know, you can't get them anymore. But, anyway. Hey, hey I found the, I found that toy I was, I was, uh, thinking Which of. Which one? The, the, the uh, if, I, if this thing ever opens. The, like, I'm trying to remember what the name of it was. Uh, it's a, jeez, this thing is just not opening. It's, it was a tar Star Trek telescreen console. That's what it was. So basically, you were, you were sitting, you were sitting in the captain's, you were sitting in the captain's chair. I'm trying to see if I can find maybe another, another picture of it. Because um, it, it looks like there were, looks like there was maybe more than one. Oh, I see it. I can see it already. Yeah, the moment the the little the captain's chair and the blue middle screen and the red one. Yeah. Right. Because <clears throat> the one I'm the picture I'm looking at actually shows the box, and I do kind of. Re- I do kind of remember that, but it's just this. Okay, there's the picture finally. Oh Jesus! Oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah, I can't. Don't I? I can't for the life of for the life of me, I can't remember exactly what it did. But but it but I I do. I absolutely remember. I do remember having it. So. If I had to guess, it looks like. You, there's two dials, and probably and, and a little lever, and then on the back of the chair there's like a like another lever, and I'm guessing that the screen probably scrolled through a loop of you know like an image or whatever like that of space with the uh, the Klingon battle cruisers or whatever, and then the lever behind the chair is your Enterprise flying through space and. If that loop is like automated to spin, then you would have to kind of steer the Enterprise around those things. I bet that's what it is. I, ac- <clears throat> I actually found an image with with like the Kirk Amigo figure, I think, sitting in it. Yes. Um, I, did you see that one too? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I was just gonna send it to you. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that 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 I do remember. So I'm pretty sure that was the other. That was the other Star Trek. Uh, a quote-unquote playset or something like that that uh, that I had. So that wasn't trust me. That wasn't nearly as fun as the enter as the bridge. <laughs> yeah. But I do remember having it. So at least I at least we were able to find it. So that's kind of cool. Oh man. Yeah. No. Was... I I think that they made like something like this for other properties. Yeah. I'm, I think so too. Because so I, I I vaguely remember seeing something to this effect before it's like before video games <laughs> it's like a like a poor man's video game where you had to imagine you know that the stuff was actually happening um, okay so uh i'm moving on to lego this was pretty much the most boring episode <laughs> of the entire series thus far to me it's it's got to be up there. I mean, especially when you especially when you consider that it's a topic that neither one of us should be bored with at all. That yeah. I, I I think based on based on expectation versus you know reality and the payoff. Yeah, because I mean, like Barbie, I had no interest in, but at least there was some interesting stuff. 
Yeah. In, in the in the in the Barbie one. She and... started out as a hooker doll. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. <laughs> Hashtag Me Too. Uh, and considering Hello Kitty has no real appeal to me, but that actually was quite an interesting episode. <laughs> so yeah, I I would say the the Lego one was was pretty disappointing. The one of the to me the most interesting thing about it was number one like they first like let the whole Lego the the Lego you know empire kind of began a making wood like wood, little wooden toys. And then when they first started making bricks and plastic bricks and stuff, that they that the first like the when they first started hitting it big, the the, the bricks didn't even didn't even lock into place yet. That was about yeah. one of the, that was one of the few. It's like to, that was like one of the few shocking things that I that was in that thing that I thought was really fascinating. It's like because it's kind of hard to imagine having th- building like a stacking system of bricks to build stuff with, and yet they didn't lock together at all. And but but that was like that that. That came later. The idea that I mean, let's you know let's let's put the let's put the openings on the bottom of the brick and stuff. So that that still would fit into quote unquote the system. <laughs> so we could connect, so the bricks could have more of a permanent connection to each other, or at least it's you know temporary truly. But it would be stuck together until you chose to take it apart, as opposed to just somebody hitting the hitting a table and then the vibration just knocks down your house. <laughs> so. You know, like. To me, I think a lot of it has to do with just how they're covering all, like, these weird things that Lego went after, like, you know, hooking up to, like, an Apple computer or whatever like that. And how many people, you know, do you think actually had that? You know, like, like maybe 100 people or something like that. You know, something some ridiculously low number. So it's not really... You know, it's not really a toy that made us aspect. It's not something that a lot of people can connect with. You know, like with with Transformers, like even if you didn't play with the toys or watch the cartoon, you were familiar with the concept of Transformers. You know, whereas like you know, okay, well, after you build this, you know, big convoluted, you know, dumb Lego thing, and then you know, program in like you know. A hundred lines of code, it'll kick its leg. You know, like right. I, that's that's mind-blowingly boring by you know by really any standards. I, you know, I'm like, I, okay, I guess like technologically, it was maybe a great leap forward, kinda. But you know, it's just it the, the the story aspect of it was not was not good. You know, it, it may be important, but it, it just wasn't entertaining. Um, and I, I think that was that was a lot of, you know, my issue with the Lego episode. Like, OK, Legos are cool. I know that Legos are cool and I'm sure that there are interesting aspect, aspects to it. But I mean, at the end of the day, it is just a little plastic brick. How much of a story do I really need to know about this plastic brick? Um I mean, like, honestly, the most fascinating parts is when, like, the entire company was about to, like, just fade away into nothingness, and it got, you know, revived with, like, Bionicles and the story of the Bionicles. Like, that that was interesting to me because, like, I actually I, – I enjoyed the Bionicles when they first started coming out, and then because they weren't, like, in the system, 
you know, they, they, they didn't uh, adhere to the same system that everything else did, then they just faded away. But luckily, they, you know, had, you know, righted the ship at that point. Right. And to me, the, 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 other, the other stuff that I found interesting was because of some of those things you completely forget about. Uh, which is really, which is one of the really cool things about this about this show, the fact that they touch upon once in a while they'll throw out something whether it's a toy or a, a promotion or something that they that you almost completely forgot about and I forgot how when they first were introducing like the minifigures into Lego how like that space that like space command set was like either it was like the first one or one of the first ones. Because I remember having, I, I actually completely had forgotten I had that set because I because I used to I used to play like Fantastic Four with those guys. <laughs> so that's 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 the reason why I jogged my memory immediately. Oh, I did have that set, and that's the reason why because I remembered I remembered the I remembered the minifigs. So and when they first started doing the uh, when they first started doing the knights. And yes. the pirates in in like the in, in the in the mid to late eighties when they first started late eight, late 80s into early 90s when they first sort of bringing out those sets because that because I kind of that's when I started kind of getting back into toys a little bit so I actually ended up buying some of those sets I did have I did have like the castle and I did have a I did have a a bunch of the a bunch of the pirate sets so, <laughs> but did, did you have a Fort Laredo which one was that yeah, that's Chad's favorite Lego set. That's uh, like the old west kind of thing. No, that would make sense based on based on the name. Uh, um, let me take. A, let me see if I can find a picture. Yeah. No, I, I had a uh, I had one of the castle sets growing up, um, and that you know, is, other than that, it was mostly like little sets for me. That was a neat set, though. I can see why he would like that set. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I. D- no, the closest thing to the closest thing to old west stuff I had was with the uh, Playmobil. I had the cavalry, oh. I had the cavalry set, and I had like the the old west or the the cow the cowboy set. <laughs> the imposters. Yeah. So they were. Pre- hey, but they survived though. Play- that'll, that'll probably be another episode at some point. Playmobil. <laughs> I just hope, hopefully, the show will go on for go on. That's just because there's so many different toy lines they could do. But just because, just because I want to hear their little theme song get up to like a it's a 112 part documentary series about the toys <laughs> we used to know. I just want to, I just want to hear them keep adding, getting to the point where there's such a ridiculous number that the man doesn't even <laughs> 3,475. And <laughs> that's what I'm, that's what I'm in it for. The pure comedy, comedy genius, genius of it. I don't care if these episodes don't make money. I want that theme song. <laughs> That's right. I want to earn it. You'll we'll probably be able to download it on uh, stream it on Amazon Prime soon. <laughs> get the, get your favorite Netflix soundtracks now. They'll have an album. Yeah. Actually, don't put it past Netflix. They probably would do that. Actually. <laughs> But, well, yeah, so you so you still you still have to watch Hello Kitty. Yes, yes I do. Yeah, yeah, I'll get to it eventually. It's a it's a good one. It's be, I it's more it's more interesting than I think it has a right to be based on the topic. For me anyway, obviously, you know, some 
like everything else, some people have strong attachments to uh, to each particular toy franchise, and, and that's perfectly understandable. But that's an interesting one from the origin perspective and how it kind of, once again, how that kind of changed into what it has become now versus what it was. And much like many many of the many of the common threads in these episodes and these topics are how these friends how these toy brands and franchises go through the ups and downs how you go from a, a lot of you go from obscurity to the top of the mountain and then straight back down and, and very often straight back down into the gutter and either you're out of business or you're close to being out of business before <laughs> before something brings you back or, uh, or in jail or yes or in jail <laughs> that'll be the Migo episode no I'm kidding <laughs> but like even Kenner I mean Kenner just and See, but see, in a way, in a way, Kenner was a victim of its own success and Star Wars success because they were so wrapped into Star Wars that if Star Wars had not, if Star Wars was what it is now, moving less Jedi aside, <laughs> if it was before pre Last Jedi when Star Wars was still like an like an unstoppable machine, certainly when it came to selling merchandise and selling toys and everything else, and they that had continued all through the through the eighties and going forward. Then Kenner would have been. Then Kenner probably would have been okay. But, but they were so invested in Star in Star Wars that boom. Once once there was no more Star Wars. So. Yeah. So now we've got. Uh, well, I've got another episode of uh, the Hello Kitty episode. Yes. Uh, we've got the Funko documentary. Yes, making fun. Yes, and then you mentioned on was it Amazon? Yes, on on Amazon Prime, there's a documentary which is it's very it's not exact it's certainly not the same literally, but it's very similar to the the Star Wars episode that began that kicked off the toys that made us in the fall. That this it's a docu and it, it and it's from a few I think it's from a few years ago, so it's not like they jumped on the bandwagon. I think this I think this was 2015 that this was made. Which which is called Plastic Galaxy, and I think it's like a minute seven or like I'm mean, excuse me, ugh, an hour seven or an hour or an, an hour, a minute seven would suck, uh, an an hour seven minutes, an hour nine minutes, something like that. So and I keep falling asleep on like the last ten minutes, so I don't know. I, so I keep miss, I keep missing the surprise ending. Uh, but it it was it's it's pretty interesting, and they talk about I think they talk about a few more. It's a, they talk I think they go into like different aspects of it, like the designs. Designs of certain things, and I, a little bit more, because it's a Star Wars episode, which was great, but it was just as much really the story of Kenner, you know, as it was the story of the Star Wars toys. And this is, while obviously they're completely intertwined, this was very much so about you know the the, the toys themselves, the the impact, and also from a, bringing in the collector's perspective of figures. So yeah, they talk about Boba Fett, and they talk and they talk about the uh, you know the holiday ma- mail away promotion thing to still you know the the big the big send away for the four figures <laughs> own, own a big own a big cardboard court card and get like figures like five months down the road kind yeah. of job which works marvelously <laughs> yeah so but that's because people wanted this stuff so bad but but it's cool it's it, it's it's worth watching and they, and they have like you know steven sand sweet you know on it talking about star wars toys so that's that that's always kind of cool uh from his little Rancho Obi Wan headquarters, <laughs> but it's cool, yeah. So we'll, in future episodes, we'll talk about those. Probably, we'll absolutely we'll talk about the Funko, the Funko one. If we had a little bit more time, uh, and if Jim had been able to watch it bef- 
before we got to record, then we probably would have talked about that. But that's interesting, just tracing the history of Funko. And again, even though I don't think I don't think we ever got to the point in Funko where they were where they were getting that close to going going under. There was a big dramatic shift from you know from where they were and what they were putting out before they got to the pops. Yeah. So I think that. So I think that's. And just the name plus it's a lot. It's you know there's celebrities and other people talking about the pops and and things and a lot of you know famous you know a lot of a lot of relatively well known people that are collecting collecting you know pops and they talk about it. So I think that's pretty that's pretty cool. How from a pop culture perspective, how big that's has how big that's become in a relatively short period of time. Certainly the the pops, let alone Funko itself. So I think that's kind of that's cool. Okay, on to the next topic. On to the de- the depressing topic. <laughs> yeah. So originally, Mark and I had discussed, you know, covering this back when like the news reports were coming out. But like my my thinking was like, I don't want to cover it until they put out an official statement because. <laughs> You know, like, if they're not saying one way or another that it's definitely happening, then maybe it's not going to happen. Maybe somebody's going to buy them out, you know, maybe whatever, maybe a million things. Maybe the the reports are wrong, but, you know, like... So we'd still be waiting. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, like, that that it basically, well, when they finally shut down the website, like, that was kind of like... It that like that was like you know thanks everybody, you know, <laughs> so long and thanks for all the fish kind of thing. <laughs> but you know up up until that point, it's like okay, well you know it would be real great if we could hear it from an actual Toys R Us as opposed to like you know quote unquote insiders who could just be you know employees who heard something from somebody else which maybe they misheard, and, you know, it's just like, it wasn't reliable, but everybody was reporting on it, you know, regardless of whether or not it was reliable. So, uh, except for us. So, (laughs) we waited until we got a, until we got, like, a real reliable source of the stores actually closing. (laughs) Yeah, like when they finally put the signs outside the store saying, store closing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's be, I mean, yes, we kind of suspected it, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of fire to, to match the smoke, considering that you know the Wall Street Journal you know was reporting on it and things like that. But let's let's be honest. In a way, this is the way the company has handled this closing. It's kind of like a microcosm of probably why they have to close to begin with, <laughs> because of the fact that they they literally had made no real official announcement to to the masses saying yes, we're closing. This is, or even even if it's just saying no, we're not closing overnight. This is probably going to be like a like a four or five month at least period uh, time frame is going to be because we 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 have tons of stock, we have tons of merchandise to get rid of, so we have to, so we're not closing overnight. And no matter how they phrased it, but no, they 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 handled they literally never made an official. They made the announcement they were closing their stores over in England in in the United Kingdom. But they made no official announcement they were closing the stores here, and the only thing that really became official was yes, like Jim mentioned, once you once they start, started shutting down the website for orders, and once they once all the stores, including Babies R Us and things like that, started putting the uh, putting the signs out, 
onto the building and then ha- having the poor su- sucker employees have to walk go, go walk da- walk towards the street holding the sign up saying the store closings because <laughs> I saw those two and our toys are us and our babies are us somebody got stuck like putting walk walking to the end of the plaza that they happen to be in and, and holding it out onto the main road to try to <laughs> tell people come on in we're closing <laughs> so that was not it's certainly not the best way to to handle the closing. Neither arguably is starting off with like everything being like 5% off. (laughs) Yeah. When was the last time you were in Toys R Us? Uh, let's see. What's today? Tuesday? Yes. Um, I think it was probably Sunday. So what were the, what were the discounts, what were the discounts up to? Because I haven't been in like, like, uh, at least a couple of weeks. Uh, they were up to 60% off now. Um, yeah, it's ranging between 40 and 60. A lot of it's 50, but, you know, there are some things that are 60. Um, you know, basically we went through, it's like we've got some birthdays coming up, so it's like, okay, well, let's see if we can get anything good. And, you know, they still do have some, some good toys, like the, um, the DC Superhero Girls. Yes. Which, I mean, you know, like... They were setting themselves up for failure by marketing those in the boy section. Um, I, you know, like, okay, it's real progressive that you want to do that, but it, come on. You know, you're only hurting yourself. Like, people, like, when they, when, when people who don't have kids or are shopping for other kids want to find a gift for a girl, they're going to go through the girl section. They're not going to go seek out these superhero toys in the boy section. You know? Like, I guess if they knew the girl was into Star Wars, they might look at Star Wars, but that's about it. So, yeah, I mean, we, we ended up picking up a couple of those. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, was, it was a dumb move. I agree. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, like, like I said, there are still some, some bargains to be had. They still had quite a bit of merchandise because, like, by us, the the discounts, like, the the, deep, the deeper discounts came, like, really late. Like, I mean, you know, that was the other thing that kind of pissed me off. Like, yeah, we're on Long Island, so, like, I guess they figure, well, actually, after all the buzz started happening that they were going to close, like, the Toys R Us's over here were all packed. Like, there were no discounts yet, and the toys were, you know, the stores were all packed. The people coming in, it's like, oh, they don't gotta, gotta start shopping. I guess maybe they thought that the prices were lowered, or, or whatever, but... They, 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 probably antici- they probably anticipated that. Oh, they're closing, that means, like, everything's gonna be like, everything must go 90% off right away. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, you know, and then once they started marking everything down, it was like... Weeks after a lot of other states were, you know, already, you know, doing their discounts. And, like, you know, like, I'm hearing stories about, like, you know, stores in Jersey, they've got, like, 30% discounts on actual, you know, stuff. And for us, it's, like, 5 to 10% off, you know, and, like, you'd, you'd have to struggle to find anything for 10% off. You know, like, okay, well, 5% off, that doesn't even cover tax. You know, like, right, it doesn't. I, nope. You know, by by the time they got to like fifteen percent off, twenty percent off, it's like you know they're, they're advertising ten to thirty percent off. You know, and it's like okay, well the ten is the Lego, 
the 30, you're not finding anything actually in the store. Like, the only thing that's in the store that's 30% off is stuff that was clearanced out, like, six months before they did any discounts. So, legally, they can technically claim that it's 30% off. But, I mean, you know, everything's 20% off. And then 20% off at Toys R Us, that means, like, you're just about meeting the prices of, like, Target. So True. like why am I why am I gonna go to Toys R Us where I can't return this thing, you know, and instead of like Target where I can. Um. So a lot of that was you know a, a lot of that stuff was just dumb. But people bought it anyway because we live on Long Island, and I guess people just if they think they're getting a deal, I guess they'll they'll go for it. But yeah, now now the discounts are actually you know like a store that's about to close. And, uh, you know, obviously they're out of a lot of stuff, but there's still a ton of toys at the Long Island ones anyway. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and check. Uh, it's, it, it's also curious to see like, the, like the ratio of whether they're still getting more stock in or not, you know, because, because they always kept the, in the beginning, they kept making that point of, oh, keep coming back in because, you, you know, we're still going to be getting more stock. And it depends. It also depends what new stock they're getting in. They may get new stock of some stuff, but obviously, but but probably not what people really want them to get more stock of. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like some of the things, <clears throat> it's actually interesting. Like, you know, you can kind of like stroll down the aisles now. And whenever you come across something where they have like, you know, 200 of it you know that this is one of the things that brought them down because they overordered or overestimated the uh, the demand. So, like, you know, um, let's see, Beauty and the Beast, like the, the dolls, they, they've got, like, end caps filled with those. There were, like, tons of the DC superheroes. Obviously, that's, you know, we, we went over why that probably happened. But, um... You know, like just just different stuff like that, like some some boys TV shows that just never hit the a lot of minions stuff because the Toys R Us is like their prices of the minions toys were like bananas, just absolutely like bananas. Like you know, for like a tiny little like two and a half inch figure, like they're charging eight bucks. You know, it's like wait, what? Like you know. You're minions. You're not Smurfs. You don't have like <laughs> you don't have a thirty, forty year legacy of uh, you know of little plastic creatures. You know, it's come on. You know, and, and like anything big was like you know a medium sized figure that would be twenty dollars for like you know anything else like forty dollars for minions. I like the pricing on that was always just insane. But like I said, it was interesting to go through and and see like. Wow, you guys really bet hard on on this, and you know, failed. This ton, like Skylanders, Skylanders as far as the eye can see. <laughs> Man, well, that would make that would that would make sense. It's uh, a a lot of those gaming, a lot of the gaming figures. It seems like when it, they always order a, a crap ton of those, and then once they start getting rid of them, like they did with the Disney ones. Uh, what were those again? The, the Disney, the, uh, Disney Infinity. Yeah, the Infinity. That when they started get when they started getting rid of those, uh, not that not that long ago, like a year was it a year to two years ago, they started phasing those out. Uh, 
It was some. It was somewhere. It was somewhere. Yeah, it was a year ago. It was. It was. Uh, it was last year because it was the. Um, it was the the Nemo from Finding Dory and uh, the Alice in Wonderland. Oh wait a second, was that a year ago? I I, I thought it maybe it was twenty maybe it was twenty sixteen because they came out because obviously they let's see because they, they came out with figures for Force Awakens and so that was the end of twenty fifteen into twenty sixteen and I didn't think it was that long after that 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 it, they went into the toilet. Uh, plus, they made their way up to what Infinity Three, first yes. level before they went. So I mean, I got I got a few of those figures when they were st- when they were starting to wind down. Uh, I, yep. I know what. So yeah, you're right. You're you're right. It was 2016. That's so, when it ended. So yeah, I think when it, usually you can they they always have a crap ton of those. So so the odds are when they start marking them down, people could still get it. Can still get a one of the figures that maybe they even if they don't play the game from a collectability perspective. I I kind of I kind of stunk because I was hoping for a better Captain America, a better Captain America from the uh, you know like the cinematic universe version of Captain America, and they didn't really come up with anything overly impressive. Well, have you been to the Disney store recently? No, I haven't been to the Disney store because um, the Disney store actually started putting out action figures. Uh, for Marvel and Star Wars, both. That's a, a very similar style to uh, the style of the Disney Infinity, but they're just action figures. And I know that they came out with the Captain America. They came out with you know most of like the, the main heroes. So you could probably get a pretty decent Captain America from that. But um, the yeah the, the well the good thing about the Disney Infinity is that you know like you said like if people just want like a character. You know, the Disney char- the Disney characters are all pretty well known. Like with Skylanders, it's like, okay, well you got Spyro, and that's about it. If you don't play Skylanders, like you know, all these other characters are basically just a bunch of no names. So, and now on Netflix they have the Skylanders show, but that's kind of too little, too late, I think. Probably so. Yeah, Netflix can't save everything. But I, I don't know. I think it hasn't – I think because this is kind of a drawn-out process, the closing, mm-hmm. that it hasn't completely impacted me yet. Uh, but it's going to because I was I, – once it became – even when the rumors were going around, I started thinking about this. And then the – and then obviously when – when the, it, it not officially became official <laughs> that – that's gonna be a bit. That's gonna be a big change. Uh, I mean, it's, because I have a lot. I have a lot of fond memories of of Toys R Us, N- not just like in a modern, like in modern day Toys R Us too. I remember because we didn't get we didn't get a Toys R Us, we didn't get a Toys R Us like in Poughkeepsie until it was it was the late it was the late eighties, I think. I think it was the late eighties. We got we got a Toys R Us up here. So wow. Yeah, it was it was late. We did not have one. So I think it, I I I I could look and double check maybe when you're talking to see if I can actually find when, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it was the late it was the mid it was yeah, the I think it was the late 80s. I think it was like from at least 86 forward that that store, that Poughkeepsie store was open. So the first major memory I have or relevance to me like in a part of my life was when I got I remember Back in the day when, of course, they had the big video game section, like when Nintendo was big, 
when you when you when you, you had that whole part of the whole whole part of the store where basically you saw you had the video game systems, but you also had pretty much like wall to wall uh, games where you had to right. take the ticket and go to, and go up to the register and they give you the game. So I remember the day my stepbrother and I got. He bought the original Nintendo system. One of us bought the game. The other part bought the uh, the console. The other one spent almost an equivalent amount of getting games. So we got like Mike Tyson's Punch Out right off the bat, <laughs> and some and a, and a few other games. And then I remember how cool it was because that's when I was in. Uh, that, was, that was my first. Right when I was about to go to, go away to uh, Oneonta, my first my first semester away at at, at college. Not that I stayed in Oneonta to finish, but I was there for like a year and a half. But I, so I remember it like coming back all, and whenever I would come back, that would be one of the things that I would look forward to would be going to Toys R Us, and I'd basically pick another, find it, you know, get another game. And I remember my stepbrother and I playing playing those a lot. So you know, Double Dribble and you know the original Contra, Contra Two, a lot, oh, the the original pro wrestling game they had, just tons tons of stuff. So I. So all during all during that phase, and even a little bit when when you know eventually when I got like the Genesis, I do remember that part of my life. I think of Toys R Us, and it makes me smile, you know. And then the other and then the other part that I think of a lot was obviously once once I started getting back into toy collecting, which was in like the mid '90s when I really got back into toy collecting. When I got and especially when I got back into Star Wars first and foremost because I remember doing p- almost part of my daily ritual when I was at the peak of my toy hunting going to Toys R Us like <laughs> like daily sometimes twice a day because sometimes they didn't open up to like, like 9.30 so I would hit them on my way to work if I had er- other errands to do like bank deposits and stuff then I can kind of finagle my way out of making that quick stop before I got to work and then I was always on the way depending which way I went home but it, it could always be on my way to go- when I was going home so I would stop and actually, I met a good friend via via the trips to uh, Toys R Us, just from constantly bumping into the same guy, and we became friends. But that I remember, I remember that part getting me back into toy collecting, trying to hunt down, you know, the in, the in, you know, the in figure, you know, at the at the time, you know, whatever it was, it was so. And I also and that led to the all the all the midnight midnight madnesses for yeah. for the prequels. That I and I and I still have the I still have that receipt which makes me want to throw up now, but I still have that receipt from that from that midnight madness for episode one where I spent like four hundred friggin' bucks at Toys R Us. Oh my god! I should I should when I get a chance, especially before it fades away completely, I should scan it in and just show it to you. Uh, because it yeah I bought because for those that for those that don't remember when they released Phantom Menace they had like a Freaking like 28 figures that were ready to go, or something like that. On opening on opening night, they had probably close to 30 figures, and it wasn't where it wasn't one of these games where oh, you, like store like this 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 toy store is gonna have only 24 figures, and you know, and in the other four figures you have to go to like one. No, they didn't they didn't do that for episode one. They had pretty much every figure that was available anywhere. Toys R Us had so they had the four different kind of battle droids. So I ended up buying all that stuff. I don't know if I'm, I don't think I bought I don't think I bought any vehicles, but I remember I did buy I was a sucker and I bought the double bladed Darth Maul lightsaber, which I still have. Oh, that's but, pretty cool. I mean, you know, cool, like but, that's... It was, but it was big bucks though. <laughs> but yeah, 
But yeah, 400-something 400, 400 bucks, and I remember obviously going to the Midnight Madness for episode two, which was weird because it was a Monday. It was a, it was a Monday night into Tuesday, which made no sense. But yeah. And... And less less so with episode three because that once you got once you got to episode two they started playing games where they didn't have you know where they may have had a little bit of every assortment but they didn't have all the assortments in, in a good quantity like like I lucked out on getting Chuck and I count Dooku because by luck of the draw when they let us in I went to the left of the front display and that's where all the Dooku's they freaking had period were so I was able to get one for both of us but if I had gone anywhere else to start with I wouldn't have gotten it. And but there were still a couple of figures from Attack of the Clones they didn't they did not have, and then Revenge of the Sith we started started off at Toys R Us, ended up going to Walmart because there was a whole wave of figures they didn't have like the the Mustafar Obi Wan and and quote unquote Vader but still Anakin they didn't have that they didn't have any of those at our Toys R Us but they had them at Walmart, but but I I do but to me that part of those two eras, if you will, that's what I'm going to think of a lot, and I have thought of a lot when the idea of Toys R Us not being there, but I think of that, you know, my time, like in my late teens, early 20s, you know, getting the, during the video game era, the Nintendo era, getting getting games, and that, the way that was laid out, and then, then the toy hunting into, you know, the, the prequel era, certainly, so... It's gonna be sad. Those those are those are my main memories from uh, when I think of Toys R Us. What about you, my friend? Uh, well, I mean, like, I yeah, Toys R Us has just kind of always kind of played a part in the background. Um, you know, from when I was really young, you know, like to, to, I don't know. I feel like Toys R Us has just been around, you know, and like pretty near proximity-wise to me since I was, like, really young. Like, definitely, uh, let's see, it's got to be mid-80s? Yeah, it's got to be mid-80s, because that's about, like, when I can, like, remember, you know, like, starting to get, like, toys and stuff like that. And, um, and there was one that probably, you know, it was about six minutes away from my house, and even now, it's only like ten minutes away from my house, and uh, you know, like it's changed so much. And like, I just I think back and I remember when, you know, they had like the long aisles that went from the front of the store to the back of the store, and you know, like you had like the partition between them, but it was just like these long, long aisles. There were so many toys. It was just like. It was nuts. And they were always like, you know, the action figure aisles were always the ones that I wanted to spend the most time on. And it was like, it didn't matter what we were going to Toys R Us for. Like, like if, okay, my mom's like, oh, well, we have to go to Toys R Us to get a birthday gift for, you know, the neighbor who's a little girl. Okay, so I know that my mom is going so that she can go down the, like, the little girl aisles. It's like, I don't care. I will go, and I'll go down those girl aisles, and I'll wait, and you can pick out a gift if it means that I can just I'm Captain go Obvious, down and like, the action figure aisle just to look and see what they have. You know, just just to see, you know, what was around. I knew that I probably wasn't going to get anything. You know, you get every, you know, get something every once in a blue moon. But, um, yeah, just like, just have very fond memories 
just, you know, going down those aisles. And I think my, like, I, I remember one, my one brother, like, um, my, well, the middle first, um, first one after me, he, he was going through the, the stores with me also. Uh, I don't remember doing it as much with my youngest brother as, you know, a kid, you know, later on, like when I was an adult and I was still going to Toys R Us's and at that point they changed them to that, like where the aisles were morphed into like X's. Yeah. So you had to like, you know, go from like one corner, one, one angle of the X around to the next one. And it was just like this awful, awful design. But they still, you know, you still go because it's, they got the toys and they have, you know, this great selection. And then they changed it again to like, you know, stilted aisles to like what they kind of have now. Um, you know, and it's like, you know, you, you see them change over time and you also, well, I mean, if you're like us, you follow the news and you follow the, the toy news and how much money is in toys and how much money is not in Toys R Us. So it's not like this was a huge, like, shock. And I mean, I, this isn't even the first time that, like, Toys R Us was having issues. And I mean, like, the, the fact the fact that Toys R Us is around now is due to, like, um, what do you call it? Uh, what, is it? what is it, a private equity fund? I think so. I believe that was the the term. Like uh, a private equity fund ended up buying Toys R Us when the last owner was like about to go belly up. So, you know, like you're talking about like I don't even know how long ago it was now, maybe like nine, ten years ago, where Toys R Us was about to go under. It could even be longer than that, actually. And this hedge, you know, this private equity firm, like borrowed a ton of money so that they could buy Toys R Us. And it's like, okay, well, they bought like another, like, you know, X amount of years that we've been able to appreciate at Toys R Us. And like, okay, well, they weren't profitable to be able to pay off that debt. But, you know, it, it was going to close back then. So it's like every, all the time that we've had since then is just bonus time. Now, Toys R Us is going to go away, and I mean, as much as I do still like going to Toys R Us, and still just going just to see what they have, you know, it's still just about, you know, getting to see the different toys that are being made that are available for people. Um, that's going to go away, but by the same token, like, if there's that much of a vacuum, then eventually something is going to fill it. And, and I mean, I've, I've heard like a lot of, you know, suggestions and ideas being tossed around. Um, but I mean, like, I'm not too worried about the fact that there's not a major toy store like Toys R Us. Because, I mean, I, I vividly remember as a kid, Child World. Yep. <laughs> And I vividly remember Playworld. And I vividly remember KB Toys. You know? And I'm going to vividly remember Toys R Us. And I'm sure that something else is going to come along that hopefully won't make the same mistakes that Toys R Us made. And, you know. I'll tell you what, I vividly remember FAO Schwartz. (laughs) 
Yeah, I've, I only was there, I think, I think it was only one time. I think it was only one time I was ever there, just like the the Toys R Us time, or, time uh, Toys R Us. I think I was only actually in that store once, for, but there was, it was, it was memorable, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, that, that, that store was, uh, it, it was definitely a special toy store. It was one of those things where, like, I couldn't really afford most of the stuff, but uh, it was still cool to check out. And every once in a while, you know, pick something up. But um, yeah, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's sad, but you know, it's it's especially sad because like I I have a son that's just never gonna know what Toys R Us is. So yeah, that that when you and I first talked about that, that yeah, that is kind of sad. That is. One of those things that you were, you know, just without you wouldn't even think that there would be a problem like sharing it, you know, with with uh, the next gen. Even though technically you at least got to do that with James, yeah. So at least so it's not like any of your kids wouldn't have you didn't get to share any of that. So at least you did, right? But yeah, it's but that is pretty. It does kind of stink when you there's something you wanted to share, and you were looking forward to sharing, and then you didn't, especially if it's something like that that would that you you would never even think that. It's not going to be there. It's like it's like oh, getting that. I can't. It's like I look forward to the first time they want their ha- their first Happy Meal from McDonald's. It's like McDonald's is gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes, it, it theoretically I guess could happen, but it, but it would be it's something we we completely take for granted. What wouldn't isn't going to go anywhere. It's like yeah. there's a little security. Even though it's a, a, a heart clogging security blanket, it's still a security blanket <laughs> knowing that knowing that. It, it's there. Oh God, a heart clogging security <laughs> blanket. <laughs> you shouldn't eat the security blanket, yeah. man. But uh, yeah, I, I'm. It's gonna be weird. It's, I mean, it's not like I've. It's not like I've spent that much time buying stuff at that. You know, at my local Toys R Us lately. Yeah. But and Lord knows, it's not like the last two. Like, it's like I, I didn't care about the. Last Jedi Midnight Madness, and that was even before I saw the movie. <laughs> but but we we know what the Force Friday was, how bad that was for uh, Force Awakens. So that kind of that that, that even that, see that you know in a way even that even though that may have been more Hasbro's fault than Toys R Us's, but that just shows you you know just how how things have changed and not for the better when you never had to worry about about having a decent amount of product and then you, you're having this big promo oh it's Force Friday no matter when it was whether it's in December and, and for a December release or, or being stupid and having it in September for a December release and not have any merchandise at all it's like what's the point it's like do you, yeah. just, do you just want to antagonize your fan base by having them go in and not be able to get stuff so yeah and I also miss and this relates to the toy hunt, the toy hunting days too like in the late 90s another another store I lament the the loss of the Warner Brothers store oh yeah that was that was the most that may have been the most awesome store known to man that that oh, man. but I but during the toy hunting days I usually if usually at least once a month would go sometimes I'd just go after work so it was like it would be I wouldn't even get over to, to like to Danbury until like maybe like six thirty if I left at five thirty or something maybe a little later too but depending but I would at least once a month I would always take a run over over to Danbury and then do the 
the, the Danbury Fair Mall, which had the which had a cool KB, and had the Warner Brothers store. And at one point they had a Disney they had a Disney store, and I'm trying to remember if they got they're the if they got it back or Middletown got it back, but someplace got had one lost one and got it back. And then I always used to go to that Toys R Us too because it wasn't connected to the mall, but it was a little bit down the road. Yeah. Because that because their Toys R Us. Before everything became friggin' uniformed and planogrammed, their Toys R Us always had some of the more, most unique stuff that our Poughkeepsie store never, didn't really get. Or if they got, they got much later. Like I got my – the first giant size – the first uh, giant size X-Men number one box set figures. That the first time – the first wave of those, the first version of that they released, I found that over in Danbury. The Blade – the figures, the blade figures that had like the, the movable toes that had the articulation like in the toes and things like that and the ex, that extra articulation. With I, the I, Legends line? No, it wasn't. Uh, it was not more of a Legends. It was actually just a whole wave of blade. It was a movie tie-in to the oh, first wow. movie. Yeah, and the first and the first the first Lara Croft figures that looked that were kind of cheesily made, but they looked just like Lara Croft from the. Uh, Video the game. video game. Yes, yep. okay, I remember that. Yep, I got. They had a crap ton of those over in. Because I remember I ended up picking up a picking up a bunch, not just for like me and Chuck, but I know uh, a couple of my friends who uh, from on, on this side basically said, "Oh, if you see any, if you get, pick us up some." So I was like, "Yeah." So there was there was a lot of cool stuff there, and then and then the more uniformed and planogrammed it became, then like everything else, the less unique it was, the less cool stuff you would find. And by the time KB left, and you know, with KB going out, and then the Warner Brothers store going out, and then you know, even so, it really didn't. It became a a very rare trip over to Danbury just because there really wasn't anything special to call you over there. I mean, it's not from my house; it's not too far. It's like a half an hour trip from from where I am here. We had like a half an hour trip. Just have to get on the Taconic and then get on I eighty four. But from from work, it adds like you know, it adds like at least an extra half an hour to the trip. So. But it, yeah, those are all fond memories, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss all of that, and it will be interesting to see what fills the void, <laughs> even if it turns out to be something from the past. <laughs> yeah, yeah, rebrand. Yeah, um, I don't know if I believe that or not. That might yeah. be a hard sell. The, um, the two things that I wanted to mention real quick was uh, last. San Diego Comic Con. Was it? No, actually, it was last New York New York Comic Con. They unveiled this um, this plan for Toys R Us to like kind of create a brand new collectible section, and you know, like it had a lot of like the Japanese imports and things like that, and you know, anime figures and and like the the other high end collector action figures and stuff like that. And like, and at the time, it just like I, I saw that, and I'm like, well, I'm like, that doesn't really seem like it's going to be a great idea because, you know, Toys R Us has a hard enough time competing with, you know, other toy stores, regular toys. Now they're going to be competing with like online retailers that don't have to pay the brick and mortar fees and everything like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I. I'm looking at it now, and I, I think it might have been more to the effect of, okay, well, we need to get merchandise in, and we owe too much money to Mattel and Hasbro, so let's see who we can trick into selling us merchandise <laughs> on credit for a little while longer. Um, 
And so I have a feeling that that probably influenced that a great deal. But um, the, the, the one last thing that I wanted to mention was that, like, okay, so this is going to take like a 10%, you know, hit out of Mattel and Hasbro. I think that's about how much they raked in from, uh, from Toys R Us's. But like the companies, like the two companies that are really going to suffer are Funko and, and, uh, NECA. Because like NECA is not in any other store. Like, there's no like I guess maybe you might find a couple of video game figures at Target now, but I don't even know if those are definitely NECA figures. Um, but yeah, I mean like you know the Alien figures, the Predator figures. Um, Jesus, I don't know. There's there's so many different toys that they make that are basically just kind of exclusive to Toys R Us by by default. Um, they're going to take a big hit and, and, and pop. Like, I mean, the, the sections of the pop sections of Toys R Us's were just like obscene with how many pops that they had. Like at the one at one of my local ones, they had like shelf upon shelf upon shelf and like pops just like, you know, stuffed in to the point where like you could not see what was on the top. You know, you couldn't see what was behind the one on front so like basically if you're looking for a pop like unless you're like digging through every single one if it's not on that front you know front front face out section like you're just not gonna find it so yeah we'll see how they uh they deal with this yeah it's gonna be i think that i think NECA could have it could have i think I think Funko will be okay, not just because they're Funko, but just because so many people buy pops in other places too. I know what you mean. I, I understand it. it's it's an easy one-stop pop shopping <laughs> at, at Toys R Us, but I think I think they'll be okay. I think they will be okay. Uh, yeah, the NECA stuff stinks because even from a even from a consumer perspective, if it was if it was stuff like I debated about ordering online or like said so like the Friday the Thirteenth stuff we were talking about not that long ago, the what was it, the Dream. The Dream Jason, right? The Dream, yes. The Dream Jason from from Friday the 13th Part Five: New Beginning, which is actually pretty cool. So I did I did pre-order that one. That that's something that since it was not an exclusive, you know, it wasn't an exclusive to Big Bad Toy Store or anything. That the odds are something like that probably would have made its way into Toys R Us at some point. So if I didn't buy one, if I hadn't pre-ordered it because I wanted to see it in person, I probably would have had an opportunity to. So that's those that's that's an example of something that that it's definitely gonna it will have an impact. Even though I'm sure they'll, they'll I'm sure they'll find a they'll make a deal somewhere else. But it is short term, yes, yeah, especially for people who who are used to uh, that being their home. You know that you could count on that. That is a uh, like everything else, like all of this really. It's gonna it's it's gonna be a change. Obviously, stores like. Stores like Walmart and Target could benefit from this, depending on how they handle it. Uh, they could be, they could get certainly a lot of big windfall from it short term. But we'll we'll have to see. They don't. It's not always the easiest. Uh, they're not always the easiest places to find merchandise that you're really looking for. Yeah. Uh, and not that Toys R Us always was either, but I think. <laughs> but 
but still, I think historically, anyway, Toys R Us has been a little easier than than maybe Walmart has been. Uh, yeah. And before it's something you tied into, so it might be a good way to as we wrap up. You you mentioned New York Comic Con, so maybe we should take a, like at least like a, like a minute each or something to or to combine, take a few minutes to combine to talk about our our experiences oh. in waiting online for tickets this year, which actually is probably overall probably the most positive we could say about this experience since we've been going through going through and doing it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, this year, like we do every year, <laughs> we both log on to. You know, the New York Comic Con ticket queue at, uh, you know, the exact moment that the clock strikes. Uh, whenever. This time, yeah, it, was whenever. 10. This time yeah. it was 10 a.m. Yeah, so um, uh, I, I, you, you you said you got in like a couple of seconds before me, but. Yeah, I got, uh, in, pr- I got in pretty quick this time. I think I think I think I got in like within like around 15, 18 minutes after after 10 o'clock. I think you were less. How I long was I, it for me? Was it like about a half hour for me? I think so. Actually, give me, give me. You keep talking. I'll, I'll check. I'll check. Okay. My, I'll check my phone. Actually, I don't have to check the phone. We were talking on the messenger. I can check it on the. So, um, Mark doesn't actually go, but he still, he still logs on and. Uh, but I, but I, but in my defense, I have. A, I had, I did buy tickets for me one year, and then that's when that's when Liz kind of shafted me, and I have bought tickets for you before, so I have yeah. bought tickets just by, by a bunch of different circumstances. Whenever I bought tickets, including when I bought them for me, I've never actually gone. But yes, I do tend to do it for the experience, and just so we can always talk about it to see if it's gotten any better or if it's gotten any worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 honestly, like it is just nice to have somebody to to chat with. While you're just like waiting in this like oblivion line where you just you have no idea how many people are in front of you, you don't know how long it's gonna take, and it just kind of stretches on to infinity. But um, yeah, you got you got on relatively quick. I I would think it was closer to like eight minutes, but it was, I could be wrong. It was good call. I was looking at it. The, my, <laughs> my my message to you to you saying I'm in was at Sunday 10:08 a.m. So you were correct. It took me less than took me less than ten minutes, to, which is an all-time record for me. But maybe I'm due yeah. after like four or five years of like an like half an hour to an hour at least. But this was yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think it took me around twenty-eight minutes or so, um, give or take. But um, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, I mean the I guess the kind of a blessing and a curse kind of thing. They did away with all of the multi-day passes, and that was always the you know the really tough part where you know you, you wanted to make sure you got those multi-day passes before they sold out. So you know, and it, I I think that it it was always difficult to get tickets, but like I think like a couple of years ago, it probably you probably didn't have quite as many people trying for tickets as you do now. Um, because I always remember, like, the four-day pass, because I'd always get the four-day pass. Most of the time I'd go, like, one or two days, but I just, like, won the freedom of being able to go any day. And also, the three-day pass didn't have Thursday, and Thursday is my favorite day to go. So, um, because, like, they're be- they've been doing a lot of uh, construction on the Javits, they destroyed, like, the old Artist Alley wing uh, 
before last year. So we've got like a good couple of years before this building is, you know, built up the way that they're planning on it. And when it's built up, it's going to be like huge. So, I mean, like that's going to be amazing. But until then, they're working with less space. There's no multi-day passes. So you're talking about $50 a day and, you know, if you want to bring somebody who's like between ages six and twelve, then they cut you a deal on Sunday for twelve fifty. So I ended up getting the Friday pass, uh, the Thursday pass for me and my son, and then another kids pass on Sunday. So that way, if I do decide that I want to go on Sunday, um, the kids passes usually sell out quick. So I've got that if I want it. Uh, probably going to end up just going one day, but you know we'll see. 10.30 you got in. Oh, good. Oh, right, right around what I figured. So it was overall, it seemed to be, at least for us, it seemed to be a little smoother experience than we're, than we're used to. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, like, I kind of wish that it would go faster. And honestly, oh, I it, agree. Really, it should go faster because, you know, from the time that I started to... From 10 o'clock to 10.30, like, if you only allow a certain amount of people into the, basically, we'll call it the storefront at a time, like, I get that you want to make sure that you don't have so many people in the storefront that you could sell out of all your tickets. But, I mean, like, they're, um, they're throttling it so much so that there's no possible way that they could be coming like anywhere near close. So like if they have say I, I don't know, 135,000 tickets. Now uh, yeah, they're going to have less than that because this was just the pre-sells. Right. So they're not going to open say up. That, yeah. yeah. But I mean, say you've got 35,000 uh, tickets that you can sell you know, for the pre-sales. Well, okay, so then each person can buy up to four a day for themselves if they have a an email address, and then uh, you can buy one, you know, four for each day. So you can buy up to, like, 16 tickets. Okay, well, I mean, you're still talking about, like, you know, 30,000 people, you know, 30,000 tickets, like, that's a lot of tickets. Like, these tickets should be going much faster. And, you know, like, the whole queue process should be moving it along. And a lot of people were asking on the, um, the New York Comic Con Facebook page, it's like, okay, well, you've been doing this for how long now, and you still don't have, like, a counter to let people know how many people are ahead of them. Right, or at least a count, or like a countdown clock to let you know, like when you're gonna, you know, the the time you're gonna get into the queue, or the approximate time you're gonna get into the queue. Right. From the time, from the time you jump, from the time you jump on and get in, you know, with the approximate waiting time. Like when you get friggin' stuck on hold, calling it, call, calling it, calling a helpline. At least sometimes they give you like your estimated wait time from the, you know, blah 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 blah. Something, yeah, something to make to give people. It is it is kind of hard, and there's there's always there's always the problem where 
inevitably it and it, this is I think this one really annoys people the fact that there's somebody who may have been may have logged on like at 10 o'clock on the button or 9:59 and then there's somebody who logs in at 10:05 but yet the person who logs in at 10:05 gets in first yeah <laughs> which is yeah. all because they have different they, because clearly it's because they have different servers and different and obviously when people log in they get spread out amongst the different servers but there is something inherently unfair about that because you're literally not taking it's not you know you know first come first served it's 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 just like it's a luck of the draw thing like like you i mean you may have actually been in a few maybe you were in a few seconds before me i know you i know you had the link open maybe you maybe by the time you refreshed it that final time when it actually took you into the queue maybe we were equal because by the time i got brought the link up on my phone when you know when i and I got and I copied and pasted and was able to actually click on it and open it. It like literally went from was right when it was like 10:59 into 10 o'clock, and by the time I loaded, boom, I was in the queue. But either way, you know, we couldn't have, we couldn't have been separated for by more than a few seconds by the time we actually got into the queue, I would think. And and we're still talking like a 22 minute difference. Yeah. So. It's less relevant because it was pre-sales. Because even if you even if people missed out on getting the getting the tickets getting the tickets that they wanted that they're still not done yet because there's going to be another opportunity to get, you know, to get general tickets. Yes. So. Yeah. But. Yeah, no, that that's true. So. Yeah. Um, which gods. The one last thing that I wanted to mention was, uh, a, a very quick toy review. Cool. Um, it is something that I got at Toys R Us. So I got it nice and cheap. Um, I, I want to say that I, I paid like three bucks for it. It's the pin mate from of uh, Green Lantern. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Anybody that uh, listened to the old Greatest Toy podcast knows that you know every once in a while we mention these pin mates. It's uh it's little wo- wooden peg people of licensed characters. And I believe it was Entertainment Earth that, uh, you know, that kind of spearheaded this. Uh, I don't see. Oh, no, Biff Bang Pow. Yeah, BiffBangPow.com, which I guess also had a distribution deal with Entertainment Earth. Um, yeah, these little, like, little wooden peg people, almost like the little people of, uh, you know, the old days when they were actually made out of wood. And uh, they have, like, a ton of licensed characters for DC alone, like, right on the back of the packaging for Green Lantern. You know, you've got basically the whole Justice League, uh, including Cyborg, a classic Cyborg, uh, and the Joker and Harley Quinn. And, you know, they have ones from Marvel. They have the Big Lebowski. They have, uh, what was it, was Pulp Fiction one of them? I think, I think Pulp Fiction was one of them. I don't know if it was Pulp Fiction, but, like, there's just random, like, weird ones. I think they had, like, the Avengers with a a larger giant man. Um, But, yeah, I mean, like, all different stuff like that. They're they're pretty neat. Like, one of my problems was that I could never find Green Lantern. Uh, I guess he's just not as popular. They maybe not made as many of him or whatever. But, uh, yeah, just happened to be going into a Toys R Us uh, a couple of weeks ago and and spotted it. And I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, well, I wonder. Let me see how much you are. 
and I think it was close to like maybe eight bucks originally, and maybe half off or something like that. So uh, I figured, yeah, you know what? Like, you know, I'll, I'll spend a couple of bucks on this thing. It's cute. You know, it's a nice little wooden figure. It features zero points of articulation <laughs> because it is just a little wooden figure. The uh, the packaging is nice. It's completely removable from the packaging without destroying the packaging. So I, I guess if you wanted to keep it mitten package or an alternate between having an outer or whatever, uh, you could. It seems fairly durable. Um, I mean, I doubt you want to like really try and dent it or scrape it, but uh, I, I think it would hold up to some serious play. Um, yeah, no, I mean it's 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 really cool. These are, I I had a feeling that these would be pretty neat in uh, in hand, and and they are. So I'm happy I got that. It'll be something you'll always remember, Toys R Us. Bye. <laughs> oh please, I have too many things I to know. remember, Toys R Us. Bye. <laughs> I'll never forget the place. Uh, I'm still trying to get rid of things to remember, <laughs> Toys R Us. Bye. Ah uh, yes. Good old Toys R Us. And by the time we do the next episode, they'll still probably be open, getting rid of their st- stuff at 80% off. <laughs> Please. Will the, will, oh, the, will, the Legos act, will the Legos starting to sell down? I assume they were, because I think they were starting to sell down at mine, even when they started going to 40% off. Uh, yeah, I think the Legos are at 30% off right now by us. So they've, yeah, they've definitely sold through quite a bit of them. Um, I, you know, like, the disappointing thing was that, like, there were a couple of sets that actually looked pretty decent that, uh, like, I was considering getting for gifts, you know, because, okay, it was a really cool Lego set, you know, at 30% off is a decent price, but, you know, it's like, all of a sudden, like, you go take it, and it's like, it starts rattling around, and you realize that, oh, this has been opened. Oh, uh, it looks like I'm not watching that, so, yeah, you know, but... Yes, that's all we can do. Okie doke. You gonna wrap this up? I think I'm gonna wrap it up. That was, but it, it, it was a good first episode. We're, we're back on track. No. <laughs> <laughs> a good first episode. You'd think we were old, old, pro, old pros right. at this. But this, but the format was slightly different. So there was, there was, there was less toy reviews and less upcoming toy talk. So. It doesn't mean there won't be in the future. It just means that we we had a little more pressing stuff to talk about, but from at least from our perspective. <laughs> yeah. So if you'd like to contact us, uh, lan- lanterncast at gmail dot com. Uh, and I guess now, even if you want to get any information about this this podcast, uh, lanternca- <laughs> lanterncast dot com is the way to go. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm gonna leave out the Twitter. I guess I'll leave. I'll go through the normal closing. Uh, we're, we're on. You can locate us on Twitter and Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast. We're on iTunes and Stitcher. So whichever platform you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. And last but not least, the voicemail is 708 Lantern, which also can stand for 708 Toys R Us. I don't know. <laughs> whatever. Whatever it means. Uh, 708 Lantern. It's also your toy hotline, so if you had questions about this or things you'd like us to talk about on the show, uh, no, we're not going to be putting one out all the time. It's not going to be as regular as we were when we did the first version of this, but <laughs> but we will be we will be doing more episodes and just and we will be doing pre-birth too, just to Jim's chagrin, I'm sh- I'm sure, but 
But any questions about any of the spinoffs Jim and I are doing together, please you can, feel free to leave us a voicemail. <laughs> I'm going to leave some voicemails to try and find out why we're still doing the uh, rebirth. <laughs> At least, there's, at least there's light at the end of the tunnel for that because we know there's only a finite number of stories to talk about, <laughs> and that's even without delving into really digging, you know, being up, going for obscure stuff. I mean, and, yeah, yeah, but but the obscure stuff is the actual good stuff. Nah, some of it is. I mean, like the like the last when we get when we get to the last like three part three part arc in JSA, which basically set set up this. Which Jeff Johns wrote, so it set up, you know, the, it set the Spectre up for, I guess, where Rebirth, the Green Lantern Rebirth, was gonna pick up. That was a pretty cool arc, and but I do think next time we do this, uh, sometime probably, hopefully by the beginning of somewhere in September at the latest, I'd like to say, let's let's do uh, Soul, uh, the Soul War thing. Let's do that. Yeah. Because that was, because that was a pretty good story, and that can either be one episode. Or it could roll over depending how 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 much we wrap, you know how much we delve into you know how much we talk about the first one it might be dependent on that but it's a cool storyline because at least it involves it, at least it puts Hal back together with the Justice League so that's why it's and the dynamics in the story make it pretty cool so but that so that probably will be the next that probably will be the next time Jim and I will be on a spinoff together will probably be pre-birth but there's a chance depending on what happens we could be drawn back into this one. Just when we thought we were out, they pulled us back in. <laughs> I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> Lethal Weapon 75. Uh, and on that note... <laughs> uh, good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. <laughs> I'm Dan Kurtzke. <laughs> uh, I, I, I definitely didn't nail his uh, his cadence on that one. <laughs> you, you're, you had the enthusiasm, though. Yeah. It, it's it's like... And I know, I know exactly what it is. Like, I think he's basically taking a cue from what I did. Where, like, it's almost like a cartoonish version of yourself. But... It's just, uh, I, I enjoy it. I definitely enjoy it. <laughs> anyway. Okay, here we go.